0: Welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast, where we explore cutting edge strategies for anti-aging and enhanced skin health. Today, I'm thrilled to be here with Karen Martell, a certified hormone specialist and women's weight loss expert. Karen brings a wealth of knowledge on hormonal health and its impact on skin rejuvenation, especially during peri- and post-menopause. In our conversation, expect key insights on managing hormonal imbalances and specifically for youthful skin and the role of nutrition in health and skin health. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share a review from one of our valued listeners. That is from Jane, which she says, awesome podcast. If you love our podcast, please consider leaving a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Your support helps us reach more people and obviously help them with their skin health journey. And now, without further ado, please welcome Karen Martell. karen welcome to the biohacking beauty podcast
1: i'm so happy to be here this is yeah. great
0: yes and uh we have been uh connected through a mutual friend which which is a uh superhero of a person natalie needham <laughs> so shout out she to natalie is a
1: superhero person she's isn't she
0: yes i love best. her yeah yeah shout yeah. out to natalie so yeah. uh listen, do you know something I've I've now gotten into the groove of asking is um I, I mean there are two types of people that engage in health for a living as 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 a profession. Yeah. The majority I feel like are people who had some uh health challenges and have overcome them in a in a way that is I would say that is unique that someone, you know, they told them you should do A, B, and C. They did uh, X, Y, and Z and it worked for them. And they're like, I got to share it with the world. And that's like the majority of people. And there are weirdos like myself who are just like super interested (laughs) and somehow are drawn to it. And that's also okay. Listen, I'm one of them, but how did you, how did you get into it?
1: (laughs) Well, mine it definitely started with the health crisis. Several of them. So I, and though I was already in the industry for the purpose of
0: mm-hmm.
1: wanting to help others, I've always been a very empathetic person. So I, I got into this industry in the health industry when I was 20 years old because I wanted to help people to feel better and get better. And I started with doing body work. I, I did a form wow. of body work for 17 years, um, in that practice and and then got into this, but because of my own health crisis basically. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I have, I guess I'm a little both. I got you. And something's happened to me. <laughs> so for me, my my journey started after the birth of my first child in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Lost all my baby weight, was feeling great. Um, she stopped breastfeeding, and shortly after that, I suddenly started getting all of these health problems, mm-hmm. including weight gain, and it was for no reason. I just started to pack on weight. I hadn't changed my diet, hadn't changed my exercise routine. I was you know, 32 years old and suddenly packing on the fat. And I was just mm-hmm. going, what is happening to my body? I got chronic insomnia where I couldn't sleep at all. I was wow. having digestive problems. I was having really severe chronic migraines that would last on and off for two weeks at a time, all around wow. my menstrual cycle, of course. I did what every woman is told to do, and I, uh-huh. which is eat less and exercise more, and that was uh-huh. my answer to it. Even though I was in the health industry, and I, you know, I was always keeping up on the education of everything, I still went down that road of okay, well, I must need to exercise. I, I have to eat less. I have to find the right diet to do.
0: Yeah, calories in, calories out is 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 one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yep. And so I did whatever was popular at the time. I tried the zone diet. I did Adkins. I uh, started juicing. I bought a juicer because it was really popular at that time. So started like trying to do the vegetable detox juicing. Wow. I signed up for a CrossFit type workout. I was working out six days a week, probably harder wow. than I'd ever worked out before in my life. And I'm surrounded by all these women that are just like, they're shredded. They look amazing. And I just got fatter and wow. fatter and fatter. And I was at the heaviest I'd ever been in my life when I was eating less than I'd ever eaten. And I was working out harder than I'd ever worked out in my life. And wow. I was only gaining weight. Went to the doctor. I was put on sleeping medications. I was put on an antidepressant and sent on my way, Mm -hmm. which I took those things, and I tried them. Of course, they didn't work. About a year into this, I decided I had to take matters into my own hands because everything I was doing wasn't working, and I knew intuitively that it was my hormones because Uh everything kind of seemed to be around the cycle. And so I was like, you know what? I think this is my hormones. Mm -hmm. And so I actually (laughs) found a naturopath, and I said, could you test my hormones for me? And he agreed. And sure enough, my hormones came back a complete mess. I had super high estrogen. I had no progesterone. I had low levels of all of my adrenal hormones, my stress hormones. So, cortisol was super low. Another one called DHEA was super low. So, right, I was.
0: Most in, of testosterone probably was very low.
1: My testosterone was just kind of mediocre.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, my thyroid later on, I realized not at that point, but w- was really low as well. So I was hypothyroid. All of this was probably triggered by the pregnancy, which is yeah. a very common thing to happen to women. Uh, the d- children, you know, they re- <laughs> they take everything from us when we're pregnant, all the nutrients, and so it can trigger certain issues. Like if there was an underlying thyroid problem, it can exacerbate it or it Mm -hmm. can trigger it to come on. And so I had, I think the stress of pregnancy and everything that was happening was just kind of the perfect storm that just kind of set everything off. And it was like my system broke. Literally broke, and it took a long time to get back to homeostasis in my hormonal system. It wasn't an easy overnight fix. I had to look at my life completely different because there I was starving myself and working out like a mad woman. I was a single mother of a toddler. I was running my own business, and I thought I wasn't stressed. Honest to God, if someone had said, "Well, are you stressed out?" I would have been like, "No, I'm doing what every other woman's doing right now. What's the big deal?" So I had to completely change everything. I had to, like, I stopped doing the crazy workouts. I started doing yoga, started, you know, meditating and doing all the things and then supporting the hormonal system. And it took, it was probably a good year of supporting my system and getting it, things right and getting the right diet down and the right supplements before everything started to finally kind of level out and I started to drop the weight and kind of get back to normal. And then I came out of that experience going... There's got to be more women like me, more women that are doing everything right, that are super healthy people, they're eating well, they're exercising, and they, can't, they, still, they still can't lose weight. Mm-hmm. Because it's hormonal. It's a it's a hormonal weight loss resistance. And so then I ended up, I went back to school years later. I became a nutritionist. And then when I hit my early 40s, I had another hormonal storm happen. And I actually went into menopause, started to go into menopause at 42. So my ovarian function just went kaput. And once again was reminded hey, this can happen to the best of people in the yeah. sense of Here I was, a freaking weight loss coach, a nutritionist, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to sail through menopause. Hell no. It was like I gained 20 pounds in six months. I was a complete mess. All the insomnia came back. I had itchy skin. I had like, my periods were missing. I was having hot flashes, night sweats, no libido. I had all, every symptom that person could have, I probably had it. And I'm like, really? This is going to happen again? When Mm -hmm. I am truly doing everything right again? but it was a gr- of course a great teaching moment and i'm i wouldn't be where i am today if that hadn't happened and i wouldn't be helping as many people as i'm helping as i do now because women are just simply not being told this information that this is what happens to their system as they or can happen even when they're doing everything right when they yeah. start losing their hormones.
0: For sure. For sure. I think we, obviously, you know, that's not the first time I've I've said it or that anyone said it. W- women are not good test subjects. Science research does not like women. Nope. So even the recommendation of calories in, calories out, whatever they tell you is that is basically based on a study that, you know, 99.999% is based on male men you know men by the way maybe based also on animals but they're also probably yeah. uh, male anyway so <laughs> that is that is like uh, you know the the uh, end the of one type scenario where you need to kind of figure out what works for you is is obviously much more much more acute when we're talking about a female going on through some kind of you know he, uh, health crisis within mm-hmm. that by the way a lot of uh, these, what you describe as hormonal storms, have you, you can see some changes in in the skin, in skin health, right? In skin youthfulness. Oh my gosh! Yes. What did you see there? If, if, mm-hmm. if I can be even more. Uh...
1: Yeah. One thing that happened was when I went into menopause, my skin got really, really itchy, and that's actually mm-hmm. it's quite common for that to happen. Yeah. And. Skin, just skin, just purely skin changes. So, yeah. as we as a woman will start to drop in her hormones, our skin will start to change. Specifically, we'll get more wrinkles, it will become more dry. Uh, it we can, you know, develop cystic acne suddenly. Actually, the woman I was just talking to before this, she was like, Why am I getting acne at 45? And I'm like, yeah. Because your hormones are shifting. And as we start dropping, really mostly the estrogen. As estrogen starts to drop, collagen production drops and estrogen is a lubricator. So it helps your skin to be lubricated and moist. And so without it- we can get really dry skin and then we lose the collagen production, which means we lose elasticity in our skin. And for a lot of women, when that estrogen drops, testosterone doesn't drop in a lot of women. And so Mm -hmm. now we become... What we call testosterone dominant like we always hear about estrogen dominance well there's also testosterone dominance where there's just there's not it's not necessarily too much testosterone it's that there's no estrogen to counterbalance the effects of the androgens which are testosterone mm-hmm. on the skin and so we can get oily skin and we can get cystic acne from to from that t- overload of testosterone in comparison to our estrogens
0: And I bet cortisol doesn't, you know, help you also there, like, you know, when when you're...
1: Well, so what happens is... Cortisol, when we in perimenopause and menopause, we do see this sensitivity that begins to happen to cortisol levels. And yeah. so we, it's like we suddenly can't handle stress like we used to. And this is because these other hormones, these other sex hormones are dropping, which do a lot more for us than just make us fertile and give us a period. They're buffers, they're buffers yeah. to stress right? Progesterone in and of itself, super calming. It acts on what's called the GABA receptors of your brain. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we've all heard of GABA. It's an anti-anxiety supplements, helps us to sleep at night. So when we don't ovulate, we don't produce progesterone. And so as progesterone drops, anxiety can go up. We're not sleeping as well. And what does that cause? It causes cortisol to go up which then causes blood sugar problems, as well as inflammation. And we yeah. know that inflammation of the skin is, of course, the worst thing <laughs> for your skin. So we don't want yeah. that. And then also the insulin starts to become really, really affected by the drop of progesterone and estrogen and testosterone. So insulin resistance typically starts to go up. So that means you're not going to be processing your blood glucose as well. Once again, causing cortisol problems and causing inflammation.
0: Yeah, for sure. So within that within that time period, like the second time period, you're saying, well, you know, if it happens to the best of us. Do you then say, hey, I want to look at like bioidentical hormone uh, replacement? Like, what's what's the response from someone who is educated and is is within the in the know, as we say?
1: Yeah. So, bioidentical hormones. Really have their place. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation about bioidentical hormones. And so, when we're still in our fertile years, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, there's a lot that we can do as far as our hormones go to balance them back out again, to improve their levels. There's amazing herbals. There's, you know, just taking things like a good mineral supplement. Like, there's so many great things that you can do, just watching your stress levels to balance these hormones out at that time. But as we hit our, usually between 35 and 40, we stop ovulating as often, which means that progesterone starts to drop. And then Mm -hmm. you get into your early 40s and it really starts dropping. And this is because we only come into this world with a certain amount of eggs. And so once we don't have those eggs, we're not going to ovulate anymore. And so that progesterone isn't going to be produced anymore from ovulation. And then as you get into your mid-40s, now testosterone begins dropping. Testosterone can actually drop at any time, but we typically see it going in mid-40s. Same with estrogen, specifically one called estradiol. These hormones are made primarily in your ovaries. And so as your ovaries stop working, which will happen to every single woman, 100% of women will lose ovarian function and will lose the majority of those hormones. Now, testosterone, we make about 40% in our ovaries. We do make quite a bit in uh, other means through the adrenal system. Progesterone, we can make a little bit as well and estrogen, a little bit out of adrenals. And then estrogen, we can make certain types of estrogen from fat tissue. So we get these little, little tiny amounts from, from these other areas. However, the primary source of those three hormones are coming from your ovaries. And so once those ovaries are done, there's no amount of supplementation, there's no amount of healthy dieting, there's no amount of exercise that is going to bring those hormones back. You will yeah. never get them back. And so that's when hormone replacement therapy is a really really great option and we know from the research that majority of women can safely Replace their hormones. And we know that majority of women will benefit health-wise from replacing their hormones. Substantially, actually, in some women. Like the research is absolutely incredible. We know from you know a research study that was just done a couple of years back in 2020 out of the University of Arizona. That women that replaced their estradiol in menopause for six years or longer had a seventy-five to eighty percent reduction in developing Alzheimer's and dementia.
0: Wow! Huge, huge, huge. But huge. Could, could you talk a little? You know, once in a while, yeah, it's it, it's becoming I thankfully a bit rare, more rare, but once in a while you'll hear someone saying, "Well, my doctor told me that." It's it, there is a higher risk for cancer, or it yep. can cause you know. So, can you talk a little bit about the misconceptions there and mm-hmm. uh, some skewed data and research that kind of leads us to hear things like that?
1: Yeah. So, prior to the early tooth, late 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 nineteen nineties, every like majority of women were actually on hormone replacement therapy, uh-huh. and they were on Premarin, which is came from pregnant horses' urine. It was the number one most prescribed medication in North America. Wow! So you can imagine, majority of women were on hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. They also had women take a fake progesterone because they yeah. realized that Premarin could, of course, make the uterine lining overgrow, and they needed progesterone to protect the uterine lining from overgrowing. So they Put women on a progestin, which is the same as what we get in birth control pills. Mm-hmm. They're like, great, use this. It'll protect the uterus. These women won't get uterine cancer. Awesome. So then they decided to do this great big study, one of the largest studies of its kind, which was the Women's Health Initiative, which if you haven't heard of it, this is why you think estrogen yeah. gives you breast cancer, whether you know it or not. That's mm-hmm. why you think that. This study, they had different arms of, of the study, right? One arm of the study, women didn't have a uterus and they were put on premarin only, the horse's estrogen. The other arm of the study had women on both the progestin and the premarin. Mm-hmm. Years into the study, they saw an increase in breast cancer and uterine cancer. So they stopped the study They put out to the world, oh my gosh, hormone replacement therapy gives women breast cancer and uterine cancer and increases their risk of heart attack and stroke. Get them off this now. And every woman pretty much jumped off her hormones. And every doctor in North America and around the world started to say no to hormone replacement therapy and telling their patients still to this day that it's going to give them breast cancer. Now, this, there's been several different researchers who have reanalyzed that study, and it has been put out there, but we obviously don't hear about it enough, that the studies of that were completely misinterpreted.
0: Yeah, it's like one person more or something like that that, that got cancer, right?
1: First of all, yes, there was a very small percentage, yeah. like one in, every, one in every thousand, 1,000 yeah. women had an increased risk. But it was the arm of the study that women were on the Premarin with the progestin that had the increased risk. The women in the Premarin arm of the study only, so they only had the estrogen, had a decrease wow. in developing breast cancer. A decrease. Do you think we heard about that?
0: So it's not it's not interesting enough. It's no not one, interesting
1: enough. It's not no, going to kill no them. So it's like, no
0: one interested in false alarms.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And it, it it's ruined women's lives. Truly, truly has ruined women's lives. There's some women that get so ill when they lose their hormones, they can become suicidal. There's yeah. women that have be- committed suicide because yeah. of their hormones dropping. There's women that have left their very high paying, fantastic jobs that they worked at their entire life. They had to leave because they were told that- Estrogen is going to give them cancer. So God forbid they get, get any. And because of that, their brain starts going. They have such foggy brain because estrogen is so important for brain function. Or well, they're hot flashing all day or they're severely depressed. We need estradiol to make serotonin, mm-hmm. which is an antidepressant neurotransmitter. We need progesterone to be our anti-anxiety to help us to sleep. It also helps with brain function all of these things help with skin, right? Both progesterone and estrogen are very important for skin. So women will start to age rapidly when their Mm. hormones start dropping. And so this is all thanks to this stupid women's health (laughs) initiative study. It It is. It's so stupid. It makes me so mad because I can't tell you every single week I've been in this business for over 10 years, every single week I have somebody saying to me, well, isn't estrogen going to give me cancer or have wow. some fear about it? And they'll come to me and say, oh, my doctor said like, no, I can't be on estrogen. It's going to give me cancer. The research shows women that replace their hormones, including estrogen, have a 33% reduction in all cause mortality, a 30% reduction in all cancers, wow, including breast cancer.
0: Wow. And where are we today as far as the bioidentical hormones? What's changed in the last, you know, 20 years? Not necessarily only application methods, et cetera, but also the actual, you know, where are we deriving them now? or or how does it look like how does the yeah. ecosystem look like
1: Yeah so we still have Premarin around and there's yeah. still still doctors that will actually prescribe it Obviously it's not the best though when you take estrogen orally it does increase your risk of heart attack and stroke and that is a fact yeah. So we don't we shouldn't be using it ever be, mm-hmm. because we now have bioidentical hormones which means exactly the same as you, what your body makes we can now get our hands on and yeah. that's typically coming from, it's, it's chemically derived, but it's coming from either soy or yams for yeah. progesterone and for the estrogen. And what's interesting is nobody took women off birth control pills and they're giving out like candy to 14 year old girls, 13 year old girls and told you can stay on these forever. No big yeah. deal. Go for it. When it was the progestin the increased risk of breast cancer. So birth control pills increase risk of breast cancer, but we don't see women going, don't give me breast, don't give me birth control pills. So- like really keep that in mind when, you know, before next time you just said you're going to put your young little daughter on a birth control pill for acne, think twice about it. It can really, really disrupt her system and increase her risk of, of breast cancer. So,
0: well, that is, that's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yes, definitely. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say, you know, if that's the reason you're not going to give your children any kind of pill, that's fine with me. But there is something to be said about you know, having a normal menstrual cycle, you know, cycle syncing kind of your life around the stages of your cycle where you're in a, your, your menstrual phase. I mean, yep. there is so much uh, wisdom that we're just now discovering and kind of learning how to live with a cycle that it is, I believe, it type of, a, to be honest with you, I think it's 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 criminal to, to give someone who is underage any type of like a hormonally
1: manipulating pill. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I, and I'm one for, you know, I don't want women, I want women to have that choice. And they do have the choice, which yeah, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And if you want to go on birth control pills, great. But yes, think twice about it when it comes to your children, because you are setting them up for sometimes disastrous outcomes yes. when it comes to fertility and what you're, you are essentially shutting down their hormonal system and birth control pills are h- endocrine disruptors. Yes. They are not hormones. They're chemicals that disrupt your Mm -hmm. innate hormonal system. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind because doctors don't tell them, tell women that. It's just like, yeah, yeah, go for it. It's safe. And it's unfortunately not. It does ru- ruin the microbiome as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ruin your microbiome. Again, you know, a lot of the times we're le- we are, we're hearing now, oh, how come they don't teach you to, you know, do your taxes in school, right? How come they don't teach you to, I don't know, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't go to school in America. I, ba- I barely went to school anywhere. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to, to say anything. But how come they don't teach you? Uh, about the fact that you have a compl- completely different hormonal makeup every stage of your cycle, and there there are yeah. things that you will thrive doing or engaging in or thinking about on one, you know, in your in your luteal phase, and and uh, completely other things in your whatever it doesn't, yeah. you know. So yeah. going from from the I would say from the negative to maybe something a little bit more positive. So right now we have. Bioidentical hormones, ones that your body really likes, kind of engaging with. But going through that uh, process of thinking of natural cadence of the body, there are different modalities that different doctors like. Uh, for example, pellets that are that are injected kind of subcutaneously and 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 are and are kind of injected every so often, every few weeks. And there are creams. There are a few different things. So yep. What is your opinion of, of maybe, obviously, convenience is number one, but what's your opinion about, you know, the, your favorite method? How do you see this industry from your point of view?
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, there is a lot of clinics that mm-hmm. are really into making money from their hormone replacement therapy, which is great. Everybody should make try and make money. There's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But they, unfortunately, a lot of them aren't actually trained in hormones, in the female mm-hmm. hormonal system. And so they've been trained like how to insert pellets, for instance. And then it's just every single person that walks through the door gets the exact same thing. It's like, here's your pellets. We're going to yeah. put these in your butt for three months. We're not going to give you estrogen. We're not going to give you progesterone. We're just going to give you this boatload of testosterone. See ya. Mm-hmm. And it, it unfortunately doesn't work for some women. It does for some. But for many, it doesn't. So pellets, number one, not my first choice, because once you get them in, you cannot get them out. And so as a first line therapy for hormonal loss, you don't want to do pellets until you know how your body handles that hormone, testosterone, typically. There are pellets that have a little estrogen in them too, but I I rarely hear about uh, pellet clinics using estrogen. Most of them don't. Most of them just use testosterone and progesterone, mm-hmm. and estrogens are most important. We're not trying to androgenize women, and a lot of these clinics are. So I see women with, you know, their testosterone in the hundreds, like hundreds and hundreds, and even their free testosterone levels way above the range. And yeah. they're getting let's talk about skin problems. They are getting horrible skin problems. If I had gone in for pellets, for instance. I would have spent three months l- with a complete pizza face. Like yeah. I, I don't metabolize testosterone very well yeah. at all. I am missing these two enzymes, the UGT enzymes. So genetically I'm missing two copies, which means I don't get rid of my testosterone very well. So it builds up in my system. Yeah. And so if I was to do something like that, I would have broken out in cystic acne all Mm -hmm. over my entire face and chest and back. And I would have had to live like that with oily skin, oily hair, hair loss is another one. And I would have had to just sit there with that for three months and wait for it to wear out of my system. I've had women that have told me they gained like 20 pounds from water retention and from that testosterone because they don't get rid of it very well. So you don't know how you metabolize something until you go, well, unless you have genetic testing done with somebody that knows how to interpret it, yeah, you don't know. So to go and do, to jump right into something like that, it's not good. It's not a good idea. It's also, you're. they tell you that it just is slowly released over three months. And I will tell you, I have rarely seen that happen. Almost across the board, I see them with extra extremely high levels for that first month and then they peter out and you'll hear it from people that have done it where they're like oh my god i felt amazing for my first month or two and then i crashed and i felt so horrible and i had to wait to get my next pellet insertion
0: but again and that's something i kind of alluded to i didn't want to you know i don't want to say my opinion but again say your opinion this is not according to (laughs) the way your body produces, synthesizes hormones, circulates hormones, reacts to different things. Again, talking about the difference between men and women and most of these, not most of these clinics, but a lot of the clinics are, you know, male driven or, Mm -hmm. you know, especially like hormone replacement clinics. Let's ask ourselves who was interested in hormones like 20, 10, 20 years ago before it became, you know, an, 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 a, you know, an an interesting choice as far as helping people, it's mainly, you know, men for the most part. So you're looking at a male brain thinking of, oh, there is lack of a, you know, X hormone, let's give them that X. So a pellet, for example, something that you mentioned that uh, reverse hockey stick type of of, uh, release, that is not how your body produces any hormone, which is in pulses. So... Yes.
1: Yeah, and it's really—I mean—it is very hard to mimic what we do. There are there are certain ways that are out there that try their best to mimic the fluctuations, the normal fluctuations of a woman's hormone levels in her Mm twenties. There's the Wiley Protocol and Physiologic Restoration. Now these—they're taking different amounts every single every couple of days. They're changing their dose to try to mimic. Very similar to what we we produce when we're fertile. This works really well for some women. Like that and they need that. Like they've tried static dosing, they've tried pellets, and that is what works best for them, that f- to fluctuate yeah. and to cycle their hormones and to take them in high amounts. that is where they feel their best. So fantastic, that's what you do. There's some women that take pellets and they think they're a godsend because they're super easy. They get them in three months later, they go back, put another set in, and they seem to do great, but a lot don't do great on pellets. And then there's static dosing where you take estrogen and progesterone every single day. And then there's the controversy of estrogen versus like estradiol versus something called bias, which a lot Mm -hmm. of hormone practitioners use bias, which is... Typically, mostly estriol, which Mm -hmm. is our weakest form of the three estrogens. There's estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Estriol is made from estrone and estradiol. It converts down to it. And then when we're pregnant, the placenta will make a lot of it. And that's when we have the most estriol is when we're pregnant. And it's Mm -hmm. very concentrated. The receptors are super concentrated in the vagina tissue. So it's really great for vagina lubrication it's also what's been sh- uh, in studies been used on as a face cream is estriol mm-hmm,
0: correct and under eye cream yes
1: and under eye cream super amazing it's great yeah. for the skin helps to lubricate the skin helps to build collagen production and it's actually like they tested it they actually saw an increase when they used estradiol and estriol on the face an increase in collagen production in three mm-hmm. months as well a decrease in pore size Yeah. So fantastic in and out for skin, really great. And for the vagina tissue. Yeah. But estriol is a pregnancy hormone. And it actually, there is suspicion, there hasn't been a lot of research done on it, that estriol is actually what suppresses the innate immune system. So we don't reject the fetus. And it's one of the reasons why women with autoimmune conditions will typically actually go into remission and feel better during pregnancy. Uh because of this high amount of estriol. Now, estriol only acts on what's called the better receptors in the body. So it's not proliferative. It doesn't make things grow. And estradiol does not cause breast cancer, but if you have breast cancer cells... Well, it's going to sit on the alpha receptor and the beta receptor, and the alpha receptor is proliferative, which means can make it grow. So if you have breast cancer cells and it's estrogen-driven breast cancer, then you can make it grow. So it doesn't cause it, but it can make it multiply.
0: And that's why you're saying you might want to, you know, you should be testing for breast cancer before you're starting your hormonal replacement.
1: Yeah. It's always a good idea to do. Yeah. I'm not really like big on the mammograms. That's, that whole thing's changing too, thankfully, yes. because we're being told way too much to get mammograms and then we're giving ourselves breast cancer because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a that's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we want to make sure that, you know, you do, obviously don't have any estrogen driven breast cancer. But the research is showing, you know, there's a lot of news research coming out showing that women that replace their estrogen have less breast cancer, as well as less reoccurrence. So if you actually take estrogen replacement, before you get breast cancer, not that you would know you were getting it, but before you had it, you actually have less chance of it reoccurring once you've gotten rid of it.
0: That's very interesting. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that is definitely the case. But thankfully, right now, the entire Field of um, diagnosing or, or testing for cancer is, is completely changing, and, and you know, within a few years, we're going to have a completely different uh, landscape for that, which is very exciting. Which is driven by MRIs mostly. Yeah, cool.
1: yeah, yeah. But with the hormones, you know, like I think my point there was. There's many ways that you can take hormones and you really want to find a practitioner who's open-minded and willing to work with you as an individual. So Mm -hmm. pellet people, they have to pay to do pellets. They got to pay a monthly fee. It's like a franchise. So they're yeah. only going to ever give you pellets and only ever going to offer you pellets in most cases because they need to make their money. Yeah. Rather, each one of us, and I've worked with thousands of women in hormone replacement therapy, I definitely see how some things work better than others for the masses. Things like injectable testosterone seems to do best for women. Yeah. A monthly, or sorry, a weekly injection, It definitely women seem to notice, the, notice their testosterone better in their system and we can get the levels to where we want them to be and they feel good cream would be second to that never troche never swallowing testosterone mm-hmm. estrogen you know unless you have a history of breast cancer I typically don't see that estriol all that estriol is a good idea. I don't want to try and mimic pregnancy in menopausal women. Um, yeah. I can see. I've seen it make them gain weight, They're, and they it can actually make you more prone to blood sugar problems. So I would rather use what we use our entire fertile life, which is estradiol, and we know yeah. that it's you know it takes a certain amount of estradiol in the body in menopause to protect us from developing osteoporosis, Alzheimer's and dementia, and heart disease, which heart disease is the number one killer of women, and we know that. Replacing your estradiol, not estriol, protects your heart. So we, yeah. we there are certain things that you see working better. And there's some, you know, I'll have some women increase their estradiol once a month just because we naturally do in our cycle, and that actually upregulates a tumor suppressing gene. Yeah. And so, you know, once a month, triple up your estradiol just to to activate that. Great. Yeah. So there's different so- things.
0: Hey there, this is Amitai, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose and uh, host of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. I wanted to take a brief moment to share something really special with you, our dedicated listeners. At Young Goose, we've always been about more than just skincare. We are about cellular care. We believe in not just addressing the signs, but truly diving into the very source of skin aging. The reality is, as time goes on, our skin undergoes damage, and this damage accumulates, gradually leading to those signs of aging we all see and know very well. But what if we could hit the rewind button? What if we could delve deep, in, uh, not into the layers of the skin, but into the life-sustaining mechanisms of our skin cells? That's exactly what we're doing at Young Goose. We're pioneering a renaissance in skincare by employing principles from regenerative medicine. By rejuvenating and restoring the cellular functions, our products aim to rewind time, gifting your skin a youthful, vibrant glow. And for our Biohacking Beauty listeners, we have a special treat. Head over to younggoose.com right now and use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off your first purchase. Discover the magic of truly transformative skincare. And hey, because we value our returning customers just as much, use podcast five on your subsequent purchases to get 5% off. And the best part that this discount can be combined with subscriptions and our already discounted systems. So why wait? Dive deep into the realm of regenerative skincare with Young Goose and let your skin thank you. Remember, it's not just skincare, it's cellular care. And now, back to our conversation. I'm kind of jumping ahead of the questions that I wanted to ask you, but I think it's an interesting topic that, you know, shout out again to Natalie Needham. but what is the place that you see peptides taking within that? Uh, relationship obviously I wanted to ask you uh, around peptides when we talk about you know managing weight etc but in the in the realm of you know helping people have a good balance of hormonal balance and and you know life quality of life do you see peptides you know playing a part there
1: I do more and more so like they're becoming yeah. more and more popular. We have a lot of pe- women that use them in in our practice. The growth hormone peptides can be great because yeah. we know that growth hormone definitely depletes as we get older. So doing things like the growth hormone can be great for sexual function, skin health, brain health, bone health. So it can, it can really help sleep. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Oxytocin, we see a lot of oxytocin being used in the peptide world yeah. because that can definitely go down as we age as well, which is the love hormone. we've seen bioregulator peptides working well for some people. I've seen women slow down their transition to menopause by using the ovarian bioregulators. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people preserve thyroid function by using the thyroid bioregulators. you know as we age our immune system becomes compromised because of the loss of these hormones so doing ones that support your immune system and inflammation. Yeah can be very helpful. And then of course, the weight loss peptides have been a complete game changer for menopausal women because we can do all of the right things. Once again, we can be replacing the hormones and doing it right. And we can feel amazing, but yet we can't get off that menopausal weight gain. It is some of the most stubborn weight to get rid of. And I have seen some women that really, truly they are doing everything right and that they cannot lose that weight. And so, and this is because so many doctors wait till a woman is in menopause before they start replacing their hormones, which that really has to change because if we can catch it early, we don't see that kind of weight gain that happens. Yeah. yeah. And well, all are the other health problems.
0: It's funny that you're saying the weight loss peptides, because a little uh, unknown fact is a lot of the peptides like, uh, well, the classic peptides that we that we normally engage with actually started as weight loss peptides. They just didn't do that good of a job there. They did a good job in other places, you know, my increasing your mitochondrial function or whatever that is, but, yeah. but they didn't make you lose weight that well. So yeah, when you say weight loss peptides, do you mean specifically GLP-1 agonists yeah. such as obviously...
1: There's other ones, names but, are but the, in Canada, but, but
0: I'm assuming it's the same, like semiglutide. Yeah, same
1: thing. Yeah. Semiglu- we don't have trizepatide here mm-hmm. or rig, 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 riguotride or whatever the other one is that's mm-hmm. just coming out. But the semiglutides here, they've been the best. There's other weight loss peptides that, I, that we just haven't seen the same mm-hmm. results with. Trizepatide and semiglutide are complete game changers for women. Like yeah. for, for everybody, but for women that are have that really severe weight loss resistance, it's it's like a miracle. They're just like, wow. <laughs> and,
0: and as you're as you're you know, putting on the hat of um, of a let's say a guide of, of a kind of a healthy lifestyle, someone you're supporting that are taking those GLP1 agonists again like semaglutide tirzepatide whatever that wh- whatever that is monjaro here now in america it's pretty popular so um how do you prevent some of the additional again unwanted symptoms such as for example loss of fat tissue in the face muscle loss now we have not only um semaglutide fa- what they call like semaglutide face or something like that oh, yeah. oh, oh, Ozempic face, and now we yes. have also Ozempic butt, right? I heard about it as well. So yeah. how do you coach people around that?
1: So we, we actually started a program using the weight loss peptides for menopausal and perimenopausal women. Mm-hmm. And we did this not because like, we're not selling them ourselves. We give them access to a place where they can buy them. But we wanted to have women do it right because a lot of people were doing it wrong. Yeah. And you really, you know, a, you have to make sure your hormones are in check. You have to be mm-hmm. replacing your hormones if you want to have success with the GOPs. Yeah. So we want to make sure that's happening. And then we want to make sure that you're eating enough protein so you don't lose that muscle tissue. So we typically have our women prioritize protein in their diet and we really try and drive that home. Like we, we sound like broken records, me and my do you Do
0: you put a coach. number next to it? Do you, do well, tell them
1: we try to, yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows at this point that you're supposed to be aiming <laughs> for a gram of protein per pound of ideal yeah. body weight. Yeah. That's pretty hard to get when you're on the GLPs because you're just not that hungry. So we have them take things like the branched chain amino acid supplements, so that they can preserve their muscle tissue. We really encourage nutrient dense foods and making sure that they like that protein is number one on their plate. And because of that, we've actually had several women do DEXA scans before and after, and I can't tell you how many put muscle on while being on trazepatide and have gone against what everybody's saying out there now. There's of course a bunch of women that are also on the other end of that spectrum who didn't listen to our advice and yeah. they lost muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. And so now they're having to kind of recoup that and now that they've, you know, stabilized their weight, now they're having to work on putting that muscle back on again. Yeah. And so it can the the sensitization that you get for the blood glucose it can really actually go in your favor to put muscle on easier. Mhm. So you you can take advantage of being on these GLPs and yeah. growing your muscle. So well, you just have to make sure you're getting that protein in.
0: Well, it makes some sense because, you know, when we when we look at a classic strategy for, you know, bodybuilders or people who want to pack mass on, we want to actually or or the strategies express themselves in generally a lower uh, metabolism so i mean that that makes sense because obviously glp1 agonists do that as well i mean that's what they do so i mean that's there is a correlation there so it's very interesting that you bring that up i actually didn't know that that you can yeah that, that is something that you can do
1: yeah and then as far as like the weight any weight loss will create Ozempic face and butt Yeah. so it's not just it's not fair to be to point the finger at glps as like oh <gasps> These cause your face to look gaunt and you to have no bum. Any Mm. amount of large weight loss is going to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to obviously know where to draw the line. You have to be doing lots of skincare, you know, to make sure that you're trying to keep the elasticity going. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. Even just making sure you're eating enough protein is going to really help with that skin elasticity.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And then work
1: out. Don't yes. stop working out. Jeez Louise, yes. like lift weights, lift heavy weights through this whole, you shouldn't always be doing it anyways, but we really push it in our group because we want women to maintain their muscle tissue and still have a butt by the time they've lost all the weight.
0: <laughs> For sure. And actually what I say to people, sometimes, obviously everyone, you know, reaches a certain age where they lose fat tissue in their, in their in subcutaneous fat in their face, which, which leads to. Few things actually, but you know, for the most part, we're talking about gaunt, less, less, you know, supportive tissue behind our skin, so this, this, the skin is looser. I actually uh, tell them to do something again that is very uh, browy, if you would, which is the <laughs> jaws sizer It's this little. Well, now we can get many different companies who do that, but you basically chew on this piece of um, rubber that is that is quite resistant, and you build muscle tissue in your. Uh, metatarsal so
1: right
0: yeah so that can you know kind of balance out a little bit the the lack of volume and and it really works another thing it does it also uh improves um the architecture in your breathing um you know in your oh in your, i see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so in your palate so so th- there is there's benefits to that anyway
1: yeah and you could also have to just kind of know where to draw the line the thing with these glps is your body yeah. just keeps losing weight on them like mm-hmm. there is no like, oh, okay, this is good for you and your height and body structure. And okay, now we're going to stop losing weight. It just goes, you just sail right past your set point. You sail yeah. right past where you normally would be. And so you can get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And we have to remember that loss of fat in your face is going to cause that very gaunt, loose skin yep. the older you are. So yep. putting, leaving a little fat on your body is actually preferred.
0: And I've seen good results. I mean, again, you know, facilities here, mainly the ones who are, I would say, are just more inclined for peptide recommendation and prescription in general, rather than someone who is, again, after the money and just, you know, wants to, you know, make money off of selling those uh, JP1 agonists. I see that a lot of them pairing it with growth hormone uh, peptides.
1: Yep, and we, I see we incredible
0: results. Yeah. So, what do you do? You recommend CJC 1295
1: and and uh, Yep, that's exactly yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, we tell that to a lot of women that are in the group that that's one of the best ones to take with the GLPs yeah. to preserve the muscle tissue, and then and really watching their testosterone levels. Um, mm-hmm. cause testosterone is going to help you to maintain muscle tissue. Estrogen does as well to a certain degree. So you want to just make sure once again, like your hormones are where they need to be that you're lifting heavy and that you're, you know, watching that you don't lose too much and that you keep a little bit of fat around so that you can have a little bit of a plump face. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. What are you telling people? F- how do you see the interaction between again, that little cohort and fasting and like low carb? diets or even carnivore but like uh, all of these um you know these two modalities how do they interact between them do you tell people you know don't fast as much or you know this would actually you know increase your results what's your take on it
1: well what we've done is because we do have a meal plan in the program and so we do incorporate bulletproof coffee fasting because so that you get that fat in there um, a little bit of fat in there and this easier on the cortisol and easier on the adrenal system and we see that that works well we don't overdo it though i i am not a big proponent of chronic fasting like so if yeah. somebody's fasting every single day and they're doing 36 hours once a week and which a lot of women are right now mm-hmm. we really see that being a detriment to sustainable weight loss basically like we yeah. see that it actually starts to reverse itself and women start gaining weight and it also really lowers the thyroid and so if yeah. women are going too low carb too low fat then they, you start to really run into problems. So using the GLP-1s as a way to make fasting easier is great. And so do some intermittent fasting. Awesome, do that a couple of days a week, but the rest of the time, you really want to make sure you're getting in some food. The GLP-1s don't just work on appetite suppression. That's not why you're losing weight. That's a small piece of why you're losing the weight, but there's a lot more to it. So people think that they, sh- they you know, okay, so I'm not eating. I don't feel like eating. Great. I'm not going to, and I'm just going to fast every single day. And you're going to run into problems. You are going to, you're going to become nutrient deficient. You're going to start losing your hormones because of it. You're going to stop cycling. Like all of these things can happen even on the GLP ones, even from not eating as much. So you have to make sure that you are getting in enough calories. And so you don't want to go too low carb and and fast too much. I'm really against that actually.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great to hear. I agree. I mean, I I think, I think what we, you know, going back to the, to, again, to the harsh negative, I mean, what we do see some promises with, with combining these more extreme like solutions plus GLP-1s, for starving out like certain cancers and stuff like that. But this is so far in the end of the spectrum that it, we really, there's nothing there to take, take with us as far as like a healthy lifestyle. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're not meant like the female body. We yeah. have to always remember that we're built for fertility and that's it. Like that's mm-hmm. why we're here. That's why how you're everything that governs that inside your system. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting the nutrients, you're not getting, you're not eating enough food Then over a certain amount of time, like, yeah, you'll get a bunch of benefits in the beginning, but over long-term, you're going to start getting really negative outcomes from it Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you're telling your body there's no food around. You're in winter. So lower the metabolism, preserve your energy. Don't freaking get pregnant. So let's lower the hormones because you couldn't sustain a pregnancy. So hormone levels drop, thyroid drops, and you start feeling like garbage. And I've seen this, I can't tell you how many times, thousands and thousands of women at this point have come to me saying how much that chronic fasting, low-carb world destroyed them.
0: Yeah. And you did mention, yeah, for sure. And you did mention thyroid health. This is something that I, I, again, I I was very excited to, to speak with you about because this is, again, something that is now extremely prevalent as far as like, you know, people turning to us because they... They have some impaired, you know, skin function and 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 obviously they lose some of that youthfulness because of, uh, you know, hypothyroidism. But in general, obviously, again, connecting to what you said before, the skin is literally a it has many, many different, I would say, like jobs. But the job that we sometimes care about the most is its job as a communication uh, yes. agent, yep. communicating that you're vital and you are you know, you're ready to reproduce and you're gonna create healthy babies, etc. And that is why you have this beautiful skin with with many subcategories. So that's why they care about this. But but again, the thyroid is, is a full I mean, is an incredible organ. So what do you see in your practice as far as the thyroid being kind of the driver of aging, being a driver of of, of disease?
1: Yeah, I mean, all the hormones work together synergistically. So what we typically see is women, as they enter... Perimenopause and menopause, their thyroid also goes down. And it's oftentimes overlooked. And so we see mostly a conversion problem. So, not that women are developing Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune hypothyroidism, which is the most popular cause of hypothyroidism in our fertile years. But as we age, we start to have a conversion problem from T4. To the usable form of thyroid t3 which slows mm-hmm. the metabolic rate down there's many reasons for this a we become insulin resistant because of the loss of estrogen and other hormones the loss of progesterone Progesterone's needed for thyroid function even testosterone can impact thyroid function as i said they all work together yeah. and so we have to watch the watch the thyroid what i do see happening a lot is women coming in the four hormones, and they have a poor T3 level. So it's low, they, they have symptoms of hypothyroidism, like, you know, they can't lose weight, they don't feel well, they're super tired. We, we bump up those sex hormones with hormone replacement therapy, and three months later, six months later, you see that T3 come up naturally. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes a lot of the time it does. And so while you typically will kind of go, you know what, let's get these other hormones online first, And then we we look at the thyroid because the thyroid so oftentimes come up because of that. And if it doesn't, then it's like your other hormones where it's like, okay, then let's look at replacing what it is that your body is missing because it's just due to aging um, yeah. and what happens with aging. And T3 is so important. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. we have receptors for T3 everywhere in our system. Yeah. It has so much to do with skin, stomach, immune system, blood sugar regulation, et cetera.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, if we go over the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause and what it does to the skin, you mentioned itching and dry skin or, uh, you know, extra activity of the sebaceous gland. So all of those things, again, there is a convergence there as well. It could be because of the thyroid, It could be because of other hormones. So it's, 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 it's
1: I bet it's yeah. very confusing it's very confusing. And it's just like the perfect storm, as I said earlier, like when, when these, when this starts to happen, and all of these hormones start dropping, every system in your body is going to be affected by it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times women, so there's some women that don't have symptoms of menopause, they don't have the symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, low libido, they're like, you know what, I don't really like I'm just missing my period, and it's like, yeah, yeah, but what's going on on the inside? And then also, how fast are you aging on the outside? What's yeah. your, what's happening to your skin elasticity? Because taking hormones internally is just as crucial for skin as it is taking it outside of the skin as oh, well. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. And you know what I really like about our conversation is, I believe there is there is just you know we've we've gotten the light at the end of the tunnel really white and bright and and understanding that first of all there is understanding and and also there is someone such as yourself that really has gone through it knows what's going on and can can really 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 help kind of getting the, get the life back on track the question is how do we for those who are listening and are not experiencing that they are still kind of before i know we touched on lifestyle but how do you what what would you tell your your little sister your little niece or whatever how should they live their life in order to minimize the effects of perimenopause or how yeah. do you yeah what are some of the lifestyle yeah. choices that you would yeah
1: take? yeah because yeah, as, as important as the hormones are to replace yeah you still have to have those foundational pieces. It's not a mm-hmm. quick fix it's not a band-aid we, you, you can't you still have to this time more than ever watch what you're eating you got to watch you know you got to make sure you're actually you got to do all the things still like obviously and I always yeah. try and get that across to women because I'm in one breath I'm saying you can't diet you can't fast you can't exercise your weight of hormonal loss mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to still have all of those things in place because yeah. your your health is very rocky at this time and mm-hmm. we start to deteriorate so we want to make sure that we're eating well and doing all the things i find skin wise and health wise diet wise body uh, metabolism i definitely lean towards a paleo based diet so yeah. not super low carb some people need to go lower carb that have you know blood sugar issues for sure even some people go carnivore for a period of time to you know just basically get rid of those that insulin resistance. Like Those things all have their place. They can be used therapeutically and I'm not against them. But what I have seen work the best for the masses is a paleo-based diet where you're cycling the carbs, where you're cycling the calories. So you're not in this chronic low calorie state or an excess calorie state that you're getting metabolic flexibility. And it's the most anti-inflammatory. And I feel like it's the best for the skin. I really do. Because you're getting, you still get the healthy fats in there. You're doing you're doing low inflama- inflammatory foods, which we know inflammation is the biggest driver of skin issues. So yeah. keeping that low. I think that that's why, honestly, besides me replacing my hormones, my paleo diet is what has kept me looking like I do. I mean, yeah. I'm almost 48 and I see myself compared to other women that are 48 that haven't, eating a healthy diet and maybe eating too much sugar and unhealthy foods, they don't look like yeah. I look. And, I, and this yeah. is not me pumping my tires. I'm just making the point across that what you're putting inside your body is massive when it yeah. comes to the skin health. Mm-hmm. It's huge. So I think- that, I think heavy lifting, we, we really start to lose muscle tissue as we age because of the hormonal loss. So we want to make sure that we put muscle on and keep it on. Doing chronic cardio, big no-no, especially as you age. Your cortisol, like I said, is super sensitive. We don't want to be raising it up all the time, and which also raises glucose all the time. That's just stress, stress, inflammation. Okay. So lifting heavy, because that'll help you to process your blood sugars better, help lower insulin, all of those good things. Obviously, stress reduction. Women are nutso these days. We're trying to yeah. do way too much. We base our worth on how much we get done in a day, and that's got to stop, especially at menopause and perimenopause. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. This I always say, these can be the best years of your life because this is the first time when typically your kids are older, you know, you're know, you either keeping the partner or you're getting rid of them at this point, same <laughs> with their job. And this is the first time in your life where you can actually go, okay, what do I want? Yeah. And you can actually look at yourself and pay attention to yourself. And I, th- I believe this is one of the reasons we go through this. Mm-hmm. And it can be challenging because it's forcing you to pay attention to you finally and go, okay, what do I want in my life? And that doesn't mean just like diet or anything like that. Like, what do you truly want? Who are you? And what do you need to fulfill your, your happiness and be who you want to be? And this is the time that this happens. We go through a massive spiritual and psychological shift. Mm-hmm. And so you can take advantage of it, or you can ignore it and keep going on and, you know, valuing your words on how much you can do in a day, but you're going to suffer if you do.
0: Yeah, you're going to burn out. I mean, you're burn out. Uh, Simon Sinek, which I love dearly, I think his information is super vital. He was saying how, you know, burnout is a function of not only of how hard you work, etc., but also the support system that you have around you, and that is, although that is a hundred percent true, you are only in a place to receive any of that support system if you are. If you are supporting yourself, if the if the internal dialogue is is dialed in and, and and can receive the that input, it's almost like we said about receptors of T three in the body or whatever. If you don't have any receptors, if you didn't prime yourself to receive you know support and love, and you're you are focusing inwards to kind of you know take care of yourself, none of that matters, and you're gonna you're just not gonna listen to your body at all. You can replace all the hormones you want, but you're gonna burn out.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's a good place to leave it because yeah. women need to know that this isn't a death sentence. Like we talked about a lot of negative stuff that happens to women as they lose their hormones. But mm-hmm. as I said, you don't have to suffer. Know that first. There's always a solution yeah. to, to the hormonal loss. And there's so much that we can do for ourselves to make this the best time of our lives. So you just for have sure. to make sure you do them.
0: Absolutely. So, Karen, yeah, I think. Look, we've spent uh, over an hour. We're we're always, you know, I, I always have guests that I want to talk to them for forever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I I think that's a great place to leave it because part of the conversation is that this is a journey. Like we can talk for a, a full day. I mean, there are full days of people talking about it, and then there people need to live their lives, right? So, how can people? Uh, get more information from you? How can they kind of get support, whether whether directly from you or stuff you put out there?
1: Yeah, so we run, um a clinic in all of North America, pretty much. We can prescribe in every state in the United States, as well as British Columbia, Alberta, and Ontario in Canada. But we can see people from anywhere in the world. We do hormone coaching for anybody, but the prescription we can do hormone we can only do for those specific places. Yeah. We also have kind of we have got something for everybody. We've got a group membership program where we teach women how to get through perimenopause and menopause and thrive. Um, mm-hmm. That's really really affordable. Um, we do lots of group coaching in there. And then we also have one-on-one packages and one-on-one sessions with our nurse practitioner and hormone coaches so we have kind of a little little something for everybody's price point. Um, we really yeah. wanted to make sure that we were able to help the masses. Um, mm-hmm. for, for those that wanted it, I have an excellent podcast. It's a top 100 iTunes uh, podcast, over a million downloads, and it's called The Hormone Solution. And it's got over 300, oh, almost 300. By the time this will probably airs, we'll probably be at 300 episodes at that point. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so I see, quite a I bit. See
0: you, I see you just had my, my good friend Ben Azadi on, so...
1: Ah, uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. I'll see. I get to see Ben next week. Yeah. In, in Florida. Yeah. He's yeah. amazing. I love him.
0: Yes, um, but is.
1: yeah. So he was just on. Um, I'd love to have you guys on at some point sure. to talk yeah. about skin. Come on. Um, but yeah. So then, and then Karen Martell Hormones on social media.
0: Fantastic. And we will have everything in the show notes. Again, we reached out because we think you are incredible and you've just proven it to everyone else who's listening. <laughs> Thank you. So. Karen, thank you very, very, very much for the time that you spent with us. And uh, again, I, I hope to have the pleasure to meet you in person soon.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, guys. Bye, everyone. All right, that was a fantastic interview. I really enjoyed it. Before we conclude today's episode, I would like to take a minute to answer some listener questions. Remember, if you want your question featured in one of the Q&A sections, please leave it in a review on Apple Podcasts and we, we might answer it on our next episode or obviously an episode that is specifically appropriate for it. So the first question is, how can I lighten acne scars quickly? And the answer is to reduce acne scars I would consider uh, products with something called uh, sulfur white, that's a little bit older, vitamin C's, obviously not ascorbic acid, retinoids, or alpha hydroxy acids, AHAs. These ingredients are known to be brightener, brightening and um, brighteners. For a natural approach, you can also use raw honey or aloe vera. Specifically, if you're looking for young goose products that would help with that, I highly recommend a few. Mainly, uh, I would use the bioretinol at night and ProCare in the morning. This combination is, is fantastic for either acne in general or acne scars. All right, uh, next question. How do I resolve breakouts without drying my skin? So really, you should choose products with uh, minimal alcohol, like no alcohol, or uh, salicylic acid content because these two dry the skin and, and they're in a lot of uh, anti-breakout products. Also, try to limit exfoliation to once or twice per week to maintain natural moisture levels. Again, if we're looking at Young Goose products, I would look at something like the Green phyto Serum. If we want to have a good exfoliator that doesn't dry out the skin, I would look at Naya Polish. Again, if you were lucky enough to have our... Um, you know, be aware of our products uh, during the month of October. Every October, we also have our detox ritual masks, so you can look at that. But yeah, uh, these two are, again, I mentioned raw honey before, that could also work. And um, I would also recommend the hyperbaric mask, not necessarily because its it has some ingredient that's specifically anti-acne, but it really helps with detoxification. So, You could also use that over your moisturizer overnight and it's not gonna obviously dry out quite the contrary and our third question is kind of alongside the same lines which is what can i do about hormonal acne and for hormonal acne i would really recommend guidance from a medical professional again as you can see from what we spoke about today hormones hold the key for for many you know for skin health in general and that is why I highly recommend you know actually reaching out to the guest that we had today. Uh, I thought she she again Karen did an amazing job, and and you should definitely reach out to deal with uh, hormones in general and hormonal acne specifically. Again, if you look at uh, Young Goose products that are that are good for hormonal acne, it's what I mentioned before: BioRetinol ProCare, uh, Naya Polish, Hyperbaric Mask. Obviously, our Care and A D Boosting Moisturizer is a fantastic addition. uh, When we come out with our Youth Reset and Youth Daily, which are two new products we're going to come out with um, in a couple months, which have also a really cool peptide complex and spermidine alongside the NAD precursors, that would be great to use as well. But in general, again, hormonal acne, I would kind of attack it at the source and, and look at hormonal balance first. And then use uh, good skincare products. Obviously, in general, for all the kind of acne questions, we do have systems on the website that are biohack acne systems. You can look at those systems, and they really are from like minimal, which is things that you can add to your current routine standard, which are almost a full routine, and uh, advanced, which is literally like the kitchen sink approach. So take a look at that if you're if you're interested. Again, here I'm trying to give you both the recommendation, general recommendation and Yangu's specific recommendation. Uh, so I hope this helps. And obviously, I, I would love to dive deeper into it. If, if you're interested, again, you can leave this as a comment on a review. As an example, I often emphasize my you know complete you know, outrage about the skincare industry and the youth, use of ascorbic acid, which is genotoxic, cytotoxic, and uh, shouldn't be, no one in the world should use it, this synthetic type of vitamin C. And um, I never thought to do a podcast about it. And since, you know, a few of you wrote in a comment that, that I should do a po- podcast about it. And, and we, we got thousands of people writing to us on Instagram and, and emailing us to, to do a podcast about it. We had really who I consider the world foremost expert on, on vitamin C, Lior Cher on the podcast this is already out so this is just an example but whatever you want us to do a podcast on this this is really for you so let us know and we will do it but that's it for today i highly appreciate each and every one of you uh, that are that have joined us today and that uh, stuck around until now so thank you for for joining us today on the biohacking beauty podcast and until next time take care